Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. We are beginning a brand new series this evening, and our series is entitled Home Improvement. Yay, I know that's why you're here tonight, is to talk about home improvement. If you would open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 9, and we are in a series, this is part one of the series, Building Better Habits. Building Better Habits. We are uh, in a series on home improvements. We are the house of God. This is God's house in the earth. Can can, Can you wrap your mind around that? This is God's home. I mean, this is where God lives. In you is where God lives, in the earth. He no longer lives in a church building. He did live in a tabernacle at one time. He did even live in a box at one time. His presence was in this Ark of the Covenant. It represented the power, the presence, and the glory of God. And God traveled in a box. God was carried around from war to war, from place to place, from city to city in a box. He was carried by priests. Uh, with, with, they, had, they had poles in the box and on their shoulders, and they, he, he went out front to every war. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that is amazing that God chose to travel in a box. And then they take him back and put him in a tent. And then Solomon built this house for God to live in. And indeed, his presence was there. His presence occupied that, that, that holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat was under the wings of the cherubim. And God was, would, would commune with his children children from that place. What an amazing concept, but it's even more amazing now. God now lives in you and he talks and communes and fellowships with you and with others through you. That's just amazing to me. He didn't want to live in a box anymore. He didn't want to live in a tent anymore. He didn't want to live in a house, in a building anymore. He wanted to live in people. And that's what the promise was. The, the, the promise was that at one day God said, uh, you know, I, I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and, and your young men will see visions and old men dream dreams on handmaidens and men servants will I pour out of my spirit in that day and they shall prophesy. I am with you, he said, but I shall be in you. Wow. How amazing was that? God is in us. We are the home of God. We are the house. The Bible says that each one of us in eternity, each one of us is a stone, a living stone, and we will be built together as a habitation of God's spirit. Wow. We individually today, but one day collectively, we will represent the house of God. And God will live with us. Today he lives in us. He has chosen to do this. And since we are God's home, we are the building of God. We are the holy habitation of God. Uh, Know you not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Wow. Since that is the truth, it would reasonably uh, stand uh, to reckon that we should do a little home improvement. Home improvement for God. 
You know, one of the prophets prophesied that God was upset with the people because they spent so much building their houses and they spent so much remodeling their houses that they lived in and they would not do anything about remodeling the house that he lived in. He says, you know, listen, you, you spend all your time building your houses and you let my house lie in waste. It was either Habakkuk or Haggai, one of the two, okay? And today... It's important that we don't just spend you know, a lot of time remodeling our homes and not remodel the house of God. Let God's house lie in waste. And so Proverbs chapter 9 is going to be our scripture we're going to launch out on in this series. And we're going to be talking about Proverbs 9 because it says this in verse 1, wisdom has built her house. We're going to use some wisdom to build a house. That's what God says that we, we build a house with. You build a house by wisdom. Wisdom, he said, has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has taken seven strong supportive pillars. And there she has built her house on seven strong standing stones to make sure that it was strong and it would hold the weight and it would stand and endure the weather and all of the pressures of life. Well, it's important that we build a house of God in such a way. So we're going to search each week and find seven strong scriptures upon which we can build and remodel and strengthen our homes. I know I'm going to talk about things that you are already doing but we're going to hit one or two things that you probably need a little home improvement in. Don't take it personal. If I step on your toes, I'll offer you your toes shouldn't be right there, okay? Because I'm only going to be stepping right where the Word of God says step. And so take it as an encouragement. Take it as a, con uh, as a conviction that you have a chance to build your house. We have already had series where we're finding the enemies and we're destroying them. And, we're, and, we're, and now we are looking toward building, not tearing down not pulling down the strongholds, but Jeremiah was told the first thing you do is you, is you pull down, you pluck up, you root out and you destroy. And then there comes a season of planting and building. We are in a season now that we can build our lives on, on these seven things that God will give us seven scriptures. And, uh, you know, we could exhaust, we could find 25, 30, 40 scriptures on each one of these things we're going to be talking about uh, during these next few weeks. But tonight specifically, we're going to be talking about building better habits, habits of life. It's important that we realize and, and pay some attention to making a few self-improvements. You know, things left to themselves, they don't get better, they get worse. If you don't paint a house, it doesn't get brighter. It gets, you know, more, uh, it gets less bright, more dull. Whatever it gets, you know, it doesn't get brighter. If you don't pay some attention to things, they don't get better. I mean, just don't comb your hair for a few weeks and just see what happens, you know. If you don't pay a little attention to something, you know, a little maintenance here and there, then I promise you things don't get better when they are left unattended, they do get worse. And this evening, we're going to begin, as I said, by uh, finding the Word of God to support some habits in our life that we need to take a look at. A habit is something that we tend to do without thinking. A habit is something that we do 
Because we have done it so many times, we've repeated it so many times that it just becomes almost natural. It becomes a first response and the habits are formed because we keep doing it over and over and over. And uh, this action that we do creates in us a routine of life. And many habits, especially those bad ones, uh, were unintentionally created. You didn't mean to create a habit that you said that little word every time something happened. Hello? Oh, come on now. You didn't mean to create that habit, that bad. It was unintentional. Uh, But our habits are reflections of the routine of our life. And even though they can be many times unconsciously uh, enacted, they they just come out as a habit. It's something that we've done so many times. It it, it, It just seems natural. We don't even think about it. But yet, it may not be the reflection of who we want others to see us to be it these habits might not be pleasing to God and also other people might be following us and when other people hear or see our habits of life sometimes they can think it's okay the Bible says that our actions they make other people bold in doing things that they should not. They, they often lead other people, even though you might be able to handle one thing because it's not of your heart and it's not any, but yet other people, if they were to imitate you, especially children, then they may not end up being able to handle what you think you can handle. Others are watching us. People are following our example. In 1982, there was a preacher named Jim Boswell who came to visit me and parked his little little Toyota motorhome in my front yard for a long time. And, and he discipled me and he encouraged me and challenged me to build better habits in my life. He saw me. He watched me every day. I was with him day in and day out, night and day. And as he just, uh, you know, uh, uh, critiqued my life, he asked me if he could handle my life. I said, sure. He was a godly man, a good man. He loved Jesus and he was willing to give me some of his time. I didn't realize he was going to take a hammer to knock all these rough places off. He was finding the rough places and then he'd take a hammer to it. And one day he challenged me to begin building some better habits in my life on purpose, he said. He taught me that habits are one of the most underutilized assets that God has given us. One of the most powerful personal assets we have is the ability and the opportunity to to establish some habits, some good and godly habits in our life. Because once we establish a habit, he told me that you can, you can replace a bad habit with a good habit if you will spend six weeks working hard, if you will ask God to help you, he will convict you by his Holy Spirit every time that, that one bad habit comes up and you have an opportunity, you have a chance, you have help from God. He will help you and if you will just work in six weeks, you can replace that bad habit with a good habit and if you will stick to it for six months, it will be your habit. This is who you will be, how you will act, how you will react, how you will respond, and you will do it with first nature. You will do it without even thinking about it. I can tell you this is the truth. I am still almost 40 years later. No, however many years it's been, 36 years later. I am still living many of the things that I first created in that time he was challenging me to change some of my habits. I didn't have to just be stuck being that way. Many times people say, well, that's just the way I am. Well, yes, it is, but that's not a license to be that way. Well, that's just the way I am. Yes, it is, and you shouldn't be that way. 
You know, we should be challenged by our friends, by our family. We should be encouraged by others, by the word of God. And we should encourage ourselves and challenge ourselves to change some of the things that we do not want others to, you know, use us as an example and do. And also change some of the things in our life that we know that God is just not pleased with. And it doesn't mean he doesn't love us. doesn't mean he doesn't like us. It just means that perhaps he's going, I wish they wouldn't do that. You know, um, I took that challenge, you know, and since then I have been living a lifestyle of challenging myself when it comes to habits. When I see myself repeat something uh, and, and, and it bothers me or someone else says something about it, I challenge myself to change just like you do. You know, uh, one of the things that I did in, in 1989, I challenged myself. This is going to seem silly. But I had a habit. Should I say this, Brenda? You don't think so? I'm going to tell him anyway. And she appreciates this. How much do you appreciate it? Huh? A lot, she said. I had a habit of leaving the toilet seat up. It was just a habit. I'm not going to ask how many of you men have that habit. So in 1989, I challenged myself to change my habit. And I asked God, just prayed, said, God, would you remind me, Lord? Every time I go to the restroom, I want to put the toilet seat back down. 1989. God challenged me. And I can tell you today, this is 2018, I do not, I believe this with all of my heart. I have not gone to the restroom one time that I haven't heard the Spirit of God say, let the toilet seat down. I have not missed one time since 1989. Not one time anywhere in the world. It, it's a habit. It is just a habit. I can tell you about a lot of other things I've changed in my life, but you can change it. God speaks. He just speaks. He'll help you. You know, and that's not even a godly habit. It's just something I wanted to do for my wife and my daughter because they had a couple of nighttime experiences <laughs> of the toilet seat not being there. <laughs> and, you know, I know we all do things like that. And I know I may be extreme. I'm kind of very, you know, regimented. Okay, uh, you know that because uh, you, you hear me say the same things over and over and over. I'm kind of repetitive, okay? But at any rate... I found out that Jim Boswell was correct. Habits can change your life. And uh, I know that, you know, it's important to God that we change a few things in our life from time to time. Do some home improvement, okay? Because our habits make us either more pleasing or less pleasing to God and others. What we do all the time, what we do every time. Have you ever heard somebody say, you do that every time? Well, you do that every time. You know, you, you can change. You don't have to do that every time. And if it's aggravating someone else, why not? But I know the answer to that. Well, I don't even think about it. Well, you should. You can. You can change. And if you'll ask God, he'll help you think about it. Okay? And if it blesses someone else, what big, what, what big deal is it to me? So without further ado, let's begin our search of God's word to find some strong supporting scriptures 
uh, on which we can build some better habits. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about seven habits, okay, in the next few minutes. Seven habits. I just want to encourage you to consider. Uh, maybe you'll find one of these that you want to change, and I'll give you some scriptures. And then each one of these things, you can yourself, I'm going to challenge you later, to find seven scriptures of your own to begin to work on this habits. Uh, and, and uh, you know, if you find one that fits your life, if not, then maybe we can help you find something or maybe your friends, you can ask them, you know, what do I need to change in my life? I promise you someone will help you. Okay. Someone will tell you exactly what you need to change in your life. Probably give you 10 things to pick from. Okay. <laughs> Generally uh, tr try to work on just one at a time. Okay. Uh, it's, it, it's better. Don't, tr don't try to fix your whole life. Uh, just work on one at a time. You say, might make me, you might say, well, that'd be easy. Well, are you doing it right now? Which one are you working on right now? Okay. <laughs> All right. You ready? Number one, I want to encourage you to consider getting the habit of listening to others. Okay. The habit of listening to others. What does this mean? Well, I'll tell you in just a moment, but I, I have created this habit that I don't take my cell phones into appointments. And anytime I'm talking to someone, I put it down, I hide it, I turn it over, I slide it, I move myself. Why? Because I want to listen. And I know me. I know I won't listen. I answer every phone call. I answer every text. I literally, I'm like that dog after bacon. Okay, bacon, 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 squirrel, you know, I'm gone. Okay, uh, so, uh, so it's important to me that I remove distractions from my life or I will not listen. So you might notice that when I'm talking to you, I am talking to you. And if I ever look over your shoulder, I'm sorry, but I am going to check out in just a minute. Can't help it because someone else has just become the most important thing in my world. Okay. Uh, that does not make me shallow and it has make me, uh, had me, it has made me have to be focused. Okay. Very focused. I don't know if you have problems listening, but if you do, let me tell you, you can change. Okay, you may have to do a few things. James 1.19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Slow to get angry. We need to be you know, uh, quick to listen, swift to hear. We need to be quick to know what is going on in someone else's life. That when someone else is talking, that we aren't just formulating something that we want to say back to them. That we aren't thinking about something. Oh, that makes me think about something in my life that I want to tell you about. Oh, me too. Okay, the habit of listening to others. It's so important that we listen. The Bible also says in Proverbs that a man who answers a matter before he hears it is a fool. Whether you answer it in your own head or answer it with your lips. Before you finish hearing something. How many times have you wanted to tell someone something and before you could get the whole story told, they've given you the remedy, but they haven't, the remedy they've given you doesn't work because they haven't heard the whole story and they haven't, and you're going, oh yeah. And you just shut up and stop talking. Or about the time you want to tell them about your trip to the Grand Canyon, uh, you know, uh, oh, oh, that's nothing, they say. Oh, that's nothing. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> we used to have a group in our, in our church in Ruston, Louisiana, that uh, the whole group, we got so tickled at some people that would say, oh, that's nothing. Oh, you think that's something. So every time anybody would start a story, everybody would say, oh, you think that's something. Oh, yes, that, that's nothing. Oh, let me tell you about me. And we would say that back all the time because making a point of the fact that uh, we, we had uh, some people in the group that did not listen. Listening, creating a listening habit is important. And you may have to do something in your life to begin listening, to break the bad habit of interrupting or of checking out or of not listening. And I know that we all are taxed with different uh, makeups, different temperaments, different challenges. 
but you can still ask God. He will help you and remind you to focus when people are talking. Are you listening? That's funny. Okay, number two, the habit of watching what you say. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, there are so many scriptures on this. Psalms 141.3, for example, says, Set a watchman of my lips, O God, and keep the door of my lips. Let nothing crooked or perverse, Lord, pass thereby. The Bible talks about so many things of what we say makes a difference. The Bible says, Speak only that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers and not death. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You know, we should watch what we say. Proverbs 6.2 says, You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by what you say. You know, uh, I mean, only on and on and on and on and on. You can tell that I know a lot of scriptures on what you say because what you say makes a difference. It's important that we have a habit of saying things after we think about them instead of just letting things jump out and blurt out. Having a habit of watching what we say. My mother used to tell me like this, just like little Thumper did on some uh, show. Uh, uh, she would say, uh, Ronnie Lynn, that's what she called me. Ronnie Lynn, if you can't say something nice about, about somebody, don't say nothing at all. Yeah. Well, that's what Titus 3, verse 2 says. Speak evil of no one. Be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Okay? Speak evil of no one. There's a really good command from the Holy Spirit by the Apostle Paul that we would not be cutting other people. We would watch what we say. God wants us to watch what we say. And many times, uh, later on, you may regret what you said. Well, perhaps you can change that habit. Have you ever heard someone say, well, that's, you know, I, I just can't help it. I mean, I just, well, yes, you can help it. Ask God, pray, ask God. And you know what? He'll begin to 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 pre-play things in your head so that you can go, oh yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Oh yeah, I'm glad I didn't say that. Oh my goodness, if I'd have said that, you know, you can begin to self-correct and change a habit to listening and being slow to speak. Number three, the habit of humility. Humility is one of the greatest assets that God has given us in life. Why? Because humility makes God want to promote us. Matthew 23, verse 12, Jesus said this, and, what, and who, whoever, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Well, that should be enough for us to speak to ourselves and create a good habit of humbling ourselves and not living with pride and not living with arrogance and not living as though that our opinion is the only opinion because after all, we are right. Okay? And uh, that kind of thing. You know, First Peter, the fifth chapter, verse 5, 6, say this uh, in verse 7. Likewise, you younger people, younger or less experienced, or, you know, let, let's say you go get a new job and you're less experienced on that job. You would be considered in this group of younger people. Okay? Let's say that someone, uh, you know, uh, outranks you in the military. Well, then you would be considered, whether you are older in age or whatever, you would be considered younger. Okay? Less experience. Let's say that you are in a group of, 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 of your elders. Well, it's important that you younger people submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. That means we all find our place in our times whenever we should be listening and should find ourselves agreeing with the opinions of others. 
And be clothed with humility. Why? Because, for the little Greek word ice, because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. What does that mean? That means one day you're going to grow up and you're going to be the person with the most experience on that job. One day in due time, God will exalt you. You will have your chance in the sun. You will get a chance at some point to be in charge. In due time, God will exalt you if you humble yourself. And verse 7 says, you can cast all your care on God. Why? Because he knows what you're going through and he cares for you. He understands what you're going through. But it's important that when we find ourselves in a place to where others are are trying to help us, educate us, lead us, that we find our place in submission so that we can make sure we humble ourselves so that God can exalt us. You see, there's a difference between God exalting you. The Bible says, for a man to search his own glory is not glory. Let others, the Bible says, uh, speak well of you. Do not speak well of yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt you. Number four, the habit of giving. Uh, we need to have a habit of giving. Okay? Giving needs to be a habit. It, it, it's just a reaction. We should be giving. We should be giving. As we walk through life, we should be people who are giving. I'm not talking about coming to church and putting money in a plate, although you ought to do that as well, or a bag or whatever. You know, that ought to be a habit. It ought to be something that, that you've already decided. It ought to be something that's so repetitive that you do it. But we ought to walk through life with a giving spirit. We ought to be giving. We ought to be yielding. Proverbs 19, verse 17 says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and he will pay back what he has given. Boy, I like the thought that if I have pity on the poor, if I have a habit of feeling uh, pity on the poor, if I have a habit of showing pity to people who are less fortunate, then God counts it as me lending him money. Oh man, the Lord will repay. Every time you have pity on a needy person, God counts it as a loan to him. And he will repay you. Wow. This, this, this happens in heart. It happens in action. It happens in our thought, in our minds. Instead of driving by and judging and condemning and criticizing people who may look less fortunate, perhaps we should open up our hearts and pity the poor. And understand that they may have a greater burden than what we have ever felt in life. It doesn't necessarily mean that you owe them your whole bank account, but it does mean that if you will open up your heart, God can begin to speak to you and through you and use you in a different way. God doesn't use people with closed hearts, okay? He can with an open heart. Pity the poor. Luke 6.38 says that if you give, it'll be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom, and with the same measure that you give, that you are giving, others will be giving back to you. Giving what you may need. Maybe it's mercy. Maybe it's kindness. Maybe it's money. Maybe it is attention. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's joy that you're giving and sharing. Whatever it may be, be a giver. Okay? It's important. Create a habit of giving. You know, that's something you can ask God to challenge you in. That when you find someone or see someone less fortunate, you know, ask God, Lord, remind me to have a merciful heart so that I can give mercy. The Bible says, he who shows mercy will be shown mercy. God will be faithful to those who show faithfulness, who give him faithfulness. Be giving. Be kind. Number five, the habit of prayer. You know, so many times uh, people... 
uh, uh, they think about things they need and they even talk to others about things they need. That this is, you know, one of the things I, uh, that, that, that I had to challenge myself on years ago. Uh, because I was around people all the time that needed prayer. And people were always saying, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. They were writing me and telling me to pray for me. They were calling me. You know, uh, uh, when we got emails and texts, they were doing that. Still today, I see people all over the place and they say, pray for me. It's probably happened to me probably uh, 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 15 times today, just more probably, every day. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for so-and-so. And I was finding myself... Uh, saying okay and not praying for every one of them. I was finding myself saying, I'll pray for you. And somehow life just consumed it. And I, I would even forget sometimes to put them on my prayer list. It was, it, it was, it was nutty because I was agreeing. And I, was, uh, you know, I asked God to help me. I, I, I was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit because I didn't want to have the habit of saying okay. I didn't want to have a habit of saying I'll pray for you because that can be a habit. It can be a habit to say, we'll pray for you. You know, how do you know it's a habit? Whenever you say that and you don't do it. Okay. We need to have a habit of prayer. So what I did is I asked God and I challenged myself to change that habit. And I worked on it for a few weeks and I developed a new habit. And I can tell you every time someone asks me for prayer, if it's at all possible, I take their hand and pray for them right then. It's my habit. It's very important that we pray. Okay. Make sure that you don't have a habit of saying you're going to pray and don't. How can you change that? You can change it. Don't feel bad. Don't stop saying okay. Just start asking God to bring that conviction. And then start stopping and praying right then. This morning I, 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 I was uh, over another house and Brenda was uh, uh, driven down the road just a little bit. Uh, uh, and, and a man stopped. She walked down the road. And a man, uh, she was talking to a man in his car. She came back to me and she said, that man, uh, his, his, his wife is being taken to the hospital. Now, I don't know the man. Uh, she said, would you go and pray with him? I said, sure. So I went down, walked down the road, and I stopped the man. And I looked in his car and I said, hey, my wife told me that, I mean, that, that your wife's being gone to the hospital. Uh, his last name is Haynes. He lives over on Highland. And, and uh, a, a, a nice guy told me he was 70 years old. And uh, uh, he said yes. And he told me what the situation was. I said, well, can I pray for her right now? And so uh, it just, just, you know, we, we, we just prayed. You know, and then I told him, I said, we will pray for her again and left. And when I got back, uh, we're, we're, we prayed again, you know, make sure that you do that. Get a habit of praying. Uh, talking to God is important. John 14, 14 says, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's a pretty good reason to pray. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. A great reason to pray. Uh, Genesis 19, 27. Listen to this. Uh, Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he stood before God. I mean, Abraham got up early in the morning and went out to a place where he stood before God. You know, I mean, I mean, if it was good enough for Abraham, it's good enough for me. Listen to this one in Mark 1, 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. If it was good enough for Jesus to get up in the morning and go to a place of prayer, and good enough for Abraham to get up in the morning and go to a place of prayer, then it's reasonable that I also would find my place of prayer and seek God early. Have a habit of praying, okay? You can create a habit so that it becomes a habit. Number six, the habit of attending church. This should be a habit. Why should it be a habit? Because it was Jesus' habit. 
Do you know, look, look in Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 16. So Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was. What does that mean? That means he had a habit. He had a routine. He had a commitment. This is just what Jesus did on the Sabbath. He went to church, okay? Jesus went to church. As was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now, do you know if you continued reading in Luke, the fourth chapter, you would find out that the people in that church did not like what Jesus had to say, and they kicked him out of church. It was not the last church he'd been kicked out of, by the way, okay? And they kicked Jesus out of church, and they kicked him out of his hometown, and and Jesus walked down a valley and he entered into the city of Capernaum. He moved, he changed from living in Nazareth to living in Capernaum. He got kicked out of church and got kicked out of the city. He got kicked out of church by the people that had raised him in church all of his life. It was his hometown and they kicked him out of his home church and his custom was to go to church every week. And do you know what he did when he moved to Capernaum? The next city he moved to, the very next day. Read it, you can read on about it in Luke chapter four and Luke chapter Five. The Bible says when he entered into the city, he went to the synagogue. He went right back to church. Every place Jesus went, the first place he went, every place Paul went, the first place he went was on the Sabbath. He found himself in church. You know, have a habit of going to church. It's a habit. If you have a habit of going every three weeks, then you'll keep going every three weeks. Why? Because it's a habit. If you have a habit of going on Wednesday nights, you're going with because it's a habit. If you have it, you know, I mean, you can create a habit, but it doesn't take long to create a new habit and replace that one. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Some people, as the manner, as the habit of some people is. Some people have the habit of just not gathering together. Some Christians have a habit of not going to church. He says, don't do that. But you come to church so that you can exhort, so that you can encourage and strengthen one another. And you should do this more and more and more as you see the last days approaching. The last habit we'll talk about tonight is the habit of being a witness. It's important. Proverbs 11, verse 30 says, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Let me tell you something. If you go anywhere with Royce Taylor... Okay? Just expect him to witness to people. Why? Because he has a habit of doing that. It's a habit. You got you a habit. Okay? You got a habit you don't want to break. Just expect it. Winning souls is wise. You might say, well, I just, I, I just, well, you can create a habit. You can ask God to help you. And you can get to the place where you habitually have a heart to witness to people and see people come to Christ. You can water the seeds others have sown in their life. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men. That means that it, without, without even being conscious of it, without even doing it on purpose, you're just a shining light. There's just joy in your heart and there's peace in your soul and there's a smile on your face. Why? Because you got something on. Uh, last night, Whenever I picked Chris and Brenda up at the airport, they came back from England last night. I picked them up and Chris said, I want to, I want to buy you dinner. And uh, she said, just, you know, stop at a restaurant. I just want to buy, buy you uh, dinner and we'll just eat. And they've been on this long plane ride and everything. And, uh, and so I went to the, you know, finest restaurant that I, I mean, I mean, she's buying. I went to Whataburger. <laughs> and <laughs> so we're sitting there in Whataburger 
Yeah, and there's just maybe one more person in there and, and, and me and Brenda and Chris and we're sitting there and we're, we're just getting our food and, and the lady had been, had been outside. She worked in Whataburger, but she's been outside. I, I'm not sure what she was doing. Might have been cleaning the windows or, or taking out the trash or something. And she came walking by and, and Brenda got her attention and she stopped and Brenda and her were talking back and forth and, and ended up showing one other grandchildren pictures. And, and uh, Brenda, said, uh, Brenda said something like, uh, oh, We've been married. Oh, she, the lady made a comment that I was a nice guy. And Brenda said, we've been married 45 years. And the woman said, well, I have a question. I said, it's Jesus. And she said, wait, I got a question. I said, it doesn't matter what the question is. I'm going to tell you the answer is Jesus. And she said, well, I can, I can agree with that, but I got to ask the question anyway. <laughs> I said, well, go ahead. She said, what does it take to be married? And then she realized the answer was Jesus. I said, the answer is Jesus, okay? It's Jesus, let me tell you. It's Jesus Christ. It's not me, it's not her. We'd have killed one another by now. And, but, but it's Jesus and we're having a wonderful time with it. Life is good. It's exciting. It's because of Jesus. You know, let your light so shine before men that others will see your light. The Bible says always be ready to give an account of the good work that is in you. Whenever this lady looked and saw that we had joy and we had peace and we were having fun and we were, we were open and we were, you know, nice and we were, you know, happy. And, uh, she wanted to know, how do you get that? Always be ready to have, to, to, to give an account, the Bible says, of the good work. Let your light so shine so that when other men ask you, you can tell them why you're happy, why you're excited, why you're having fun, why you're on the best day. You know, when people say, how you doing? Most of the time I tell them, uh, most of the time, I am at the top of my game. You know, you want to know why I tell them that? One, because I believe it. Number two, it's because many times, especially in the world, they'll ask me a follow-up question and it opens up a door for me to tell them about what changed in my life. When I was at the bottom of the barrel, it was because of the devil and how I was supporting his venue. And now that I'm at the top of my game, it's because of Jesus Christ. And it opens up a door. People want to have what you have when you look like you have joy and peace. But if you look like a sour old pickle and darkness is all over you and you're fussing and you're cussing and you're kicking, you're screaming, you're complaining, and you look like you just ate a you know, can of worms, who wants to be like you? Let your light so shine before men that they may see that light and the end of that will be glory to God. Anyway, it takes six weeks to break a bad habit and replace it with a good one. And it'll take six months for you to make that habit yours and you can do it. Okay. If anything is spoken to you tonight, let me just encourage you to ask God to help you with that one thing. Work on one thing at a time. Opportunity will present itself. And when you get that work done, start working on something else. I may have mentioned something that you want to make out of a habit or, or, or break a bad habit or start a new habit. Or there may be something else from Facebook to family to Bible to Snapchat to prayer to text, whatever it might be in your life that you have a habit of that really is uh, not, not the best. It's not pleasing to God. Create a new habit. You can do it. You can build a better home for God. You can build a better life. You can have joy and peace because of what you do, what you think, what you say, how you feel. 
And you can change that. You can change how you feel. And you can be a blessing to others.